0: and we might not feel that um, we're trained up and that we're the right kind of people, just like them superheroes. Some of them didn't want to do it, but, you know, they were handpicked for a reason, just like you and just like me today. And I'd like you just to turn into your Bibles to a verse that you might have noticed me talking on over the last few weeks. Um, Matthew 5, verse 14. You are the light of the world. A town built on a hill cannot be hidden. Neither do people light a lamp and put it under a bowl. Instead, they put it on a stand. And it gives light to everyone in the house. In the same way. Let your light shine before others, so that they may see your good works and worship your Father in heaven. And it's interesting, that verse was actually taken from the Sermon on the Mount. Now, many of you may have heard of that, and that's where Jesus gave most of his famous teachings and commandments. The Sermon on the Mount is quoted throughout Christian organizations all over the world because of the commandments in it. But do you know what's interesting? That verse came before any of the other commandments. So Jesus had just been baptized by John the Baptist. It was in his early days, in his early start. But that verse came before any of the other commandments. How amazing is that? And today we're going to be thinking about our life how we can let it shine, and what God says about that, and what Jesus says in the Bible. So there's three points we're going to be looking at today. The first point is what? What is our light? What's that all about? We've got this light. It talks about it. We've just heard it was the most important commandment. We've just heard that it was said before all of the others in the Sermon on the Mount. But what is it? So what? Everyone say what? The second is how, everyone say how. How can we let our light shine? How can we do it? You might be thinking it's all right for those people, those confident people, what about little old me? Well, we can all do it. How can we do it? And the third is why? Why do we need to do it? I worship God, I pray, I come to church. Why why is this light important? Why do we need to shine it? Everyone say, why? So, there's the three points what, how, and why. Okay, but before we go on to that, I just want to share with you a story. And this story is about a little boy called Harry, who was always trying to impress his dad with the next amazing find. And his dad got quite used to little old Harry coming in from school and saying, Dad, guess what I've found? And his dad would, after a hard day at work, sit down and, Oh, son, yes, what have you found? And try and entertain his son while he went through all these exciting and amazing things. And one day, little eight-year-old Harry came home and he said to his dad, Dad, I've found him this amazing thing in my little box. It's amazing. You won't believe what it does. And his dad looked at him, and he thought, mm, all right then, come on, what is it? So the boy opened the box, and there was a spider in the box. And the dad's looking at this spider. Oh, yes, son, that's amazing, amazing. And uh, Harry got the, opened the box, and he said, Dad, you're not going to believe it. This spider... It does anything i tell it to do i tell it to go up the wall do a somersault come back down another somersault and get back in its box and it does right (laughs) the dad was like all right then son let's see it so um the little boy said to the spider i want you to go up the wall do a somersault come back down do another somersault and then jump back in the box so the spider amazingly got out of the box went up the wall did a somersault came down the wall did another somersault got back in the box wow that was amazing said the dad he couldn't believe his eyes whoa what you have got there in your hand that's it you've got it you've got something different you've got something special son we're going places so the next night the dad thought he had a night off from the sun running in with something new but he didn't the son ran in after school Dad, you're not going to believe what I've got in this box. It's amazing. Wow. The dad was thinking, it's going to be a lot to beat what happened yesterday, son, but okay. So uh, the son opened his box and he said, Dad, this is the best discovery in the world. No one's ever discovered this. We're going places with this, dad. And the dad said, all right, what is it? And he said, watch this so in the box was the spider and he said to the spider i want you to go all the way up the wall do a somersault come back down do another somersault and get back in the box The spider didn't move the dad looked right son okay he went dad i've discovered if you pull all the legs off the spider it goes deaf just a thought okay from that story (laughs) stay with me i am going somewhere with that story (laughs) from that story i get two points the first is the boy had something in his hand he didn't realize how special it was and he went away and he was always trying for that next thing and you might have something already don't try and be like somebody you sat next to you might have something. God's already given you a lie. Be happy with what you've got. The second is the spider. Now, there's lots of different people in this room today. And just like the spider, you might be hearing the instruction of what people say at the front or what we sing about. But you might be thinking, well, you know, I've, I feel like I've been torn apart like that spider. You don't know I've been hurt. I've been rejected, my finances are in a mess, my head's all over the place. I I don't feel like I can move. I'm hearing what you're saying, but I can't move. And I just want to say that God is here for people like you, and you have still got something to give. You know, your experiences and things that you're going through, you can use them for the good of other people, and you have got a light. So, we're going to look at what. What is the light? And when we're looking at what, we're focusing on the Bible verse, Mark 12, verse 30. So, if you want to find that ready. But, just as we do that, I'd just like five volunteers to come up to the front. Have we got five volunteers? Come on. Caleb, thank you. Woo! Give Caleb a round of applause. Okay. Okay. Caleb, I'd like you to go over to those blinds and hold this baton or Samson's skittle. But today we're calling it a baton. Okay, I need another volunteer. Chris, my glamorous assistant. Thank you. Give Chris a round of applause. Chris, I'd like you to stand here. You are Jesus' disciples. You're representing the twelve. Can I have another volunteer? Andy, thank you. Give Andy a round of applause. Andy represents those Bible characters that came in force after the disciples. And can I have another volunteer? Amelia, that's brilliant. Thank you. Give Amelia a round of applause. If you stay, yeah. Amelia, she's representing you and me. Okay, can I have another volunteer? One more. One more volunteer. Pete, thank you. You're over there. (laughs) Okay, it's interesting, isn't it, that Jesus over there, he was sent down to earth as God's son to preach the gospel and to bring the good news. Do you ever wonder why Jesus didn't travel the whole world or why he left his preaching and teaching to the last five years of his life? What was he doing for the 30 years before that? Do you ever wonder why he only chose 12 disciples and not an army a bat- and ready to go to battle of 500 people? It's an interesting thought, isn't it? And why today we're still here having to go out and tell people about the good news. Interesting, if he was God's son, why, why did he let that happen? Well, I believe it was for a purpose. And our purpose is to continue the work that Jesus started. So Jesus over there, he came down to earth and he started running the race so on to nice Da, 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 da. So Caleb's running. Brilliant. He's got the baton. And he chooses... Uh, excuse me. They <laughs> no, no, the baton goes. Yeah, that's fine. And he chooses 12 disciples. And he's with them. He's teaching them. He's being an example to them. He's showing them how we should live as Christians. Only 12, though. But after Jesus dies... So you're gone now. Thank you. After Jesus dies, these disciples—they didn't sit down and say, well, "Wasn't that amazing? Five years. Woo! We're ready for retirement." No. They went on. They preached the good news. They continued that good work that Jesus had started, and that word of God is spread throughout so many countries. So disciples, off you go. Okay. Now he spread the word. Thank you. You're done. He spread the word. (laughs) And um, these Bible characters, (laughs) these Bible characters here, they didn't just leave it they began writing the scriptures writing the bible so that us so that we today could turn in our bibles and andy if you like to go over to me and you so me and you are here and some of us might be a bit like that spider a bit battered and bruised and not able to move But we've got that message passed to us from Jesus. We've got the good news that's planted inside of us. We have got the light. The light is from Jesus. Jesus was the light of the world. But then that scripture says that we're the light of the world. That's really interesting. So if Jesus was the light of the world, and now we're the light of the world... Surely, we should have some similarities between the way that Jesus lived and the way that we live. So, me and you, there we are. And I purposely didn't tell you what Pete was over there. Pete represents the people that have not yet heard about God, that don't know the good news, that need some light in their lives, that are feeling like their lives are in darkness. And this week at The Big Idea, we are going to be reaching out to people in Kotmanay, in our community, people in poverty, people that feel hurt and and rejected, people that have got no light in their lives. We've got an amazing opportunity there to pass on that baton and to carry on the work that Jesus started. Thank you, Pete. So um, if you just turn with me to Mark 12, verse 30 to 31, it says, Love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your mind, with all your strength. The second commandment is this. Love your neighbor as yourself. There are no greater commandments than these. There are no greater commandments than these. So we've just heard earlier about being the light of the world and that being put in the Sermon of the Mount before all of the other commandments. So that was already put up high. But then this one is followed and it says there's no greater commandment than these. Well, that's really interesting, isn't it? Because loving our God with all our heart, all our soul and all of our mind. But followed with loving your neighbor. And who is your neighbor? Well, your neighbour is anybody that we come into contact with. Anybody. Anybody. What, the the person at work that really annoys me? Yeah. Anybody. What, that child in my class that's really annoying? Yeah. Anybody. What, the people that cold call me and ring me in the middle of the day? Yeah. Yeah. Love. We can all love. We might not be amazing dancers like Diane or amazing singers or amazing preachers, but we've all got love. Jesus wasn't a dancer. Jesus wasn't a rapper. (laughs) But he did have love. And if we can start off with love, who knows what God's going to give us? That is our starting point, love. Do you think we can love next week these people that come in our doors? Do you think we can love, show somebody love through just a simple smile? You heard me say last week that I work with some children at my school for disabilities where some of them are disabled from the neck down, but the brain's working fine and they're very intelligent people actually. And some days all that they can give is a smile but they're showing love. And if they can smile and light up the room when they come in in the morning and still find something to smile about, can't we? We can, we can do that. And Jesus tells us to do that. And, you know, next week as we're reaching out to these people, something that dawned on me was that I was looking at statistics this week and I realized that One in ten children suffer physical, sexual, emotional abuse or neglect. One in ten. It's a disgrace and it's disgusting. But we have an opportunity to reach out to these children this week. The school's team are going to be coming into contact, I've worked this out, With 800 children and young people this week. One in ten. And that's not including the children that never speak out and the teenagers that never say what's going on one in 10 what an amazing opportunity we've got church we can be we can work together as a team to be that light to show these kids that they matter that they are important and that they deserve to know what love is we've got love in our lives so surely we deserve they deserve to know what love is and the children and teenagers that are lucky enough not to be abused not to be neglected Do they still need to know what love is? They do. We all need to know what love is. Let's really get behind this big idea this week and reach out into our community. The second is the same statistic, but for a different group of people, which surprised me. Did you know that one in ten people over the age of 60 suffer with loneliness? Loneliness. That's really sad, isn't it? And um, this brought me onto something. Um, When I gave birth to Samson, most people when they have a baby, things start to speed up and it's it's a bit crazy. But for me, it actually felt like everything slowed down. And I know that's quite a funny analogy, but it, it did. I was a very busy person before I gave birth. And then I gave birth and I stopped working for a year And I I wasn't involved in church for a year. And my social life obviously stopped. So I calmed right down. And during that year, I was able to just reflect on the people in the community and just slow right down. And I believe that that was for a purpose. Because I actually met an old lady that I'd probably walked past a lot of times before and never noticed her. And one day, I was pushing Samson out in the pram. And there she was and I stopped and chatted to her and she was, go, she was talking about how lonely she was and how her family don't come and visit her anymore and um, how she, she loves going for walks. And I just chatted to her and I felt really sad that in my busy life I'd never even noticed her stood there and she said she stands at the gate every day watching people go past, never even noticed. And then a couple of days later I was just walking around the lake And um, the old lady called to me and I said, Oh, hi. And she came over and said, Could I walk around the lake with you? I've not walked around this lake with anybody for many years. And that really saddened me. If I've got light inside of me, but I've missed this lady with nobody, then I'm missing the point, aren't I? So me and the old lady walked around the lake and took me an hour longer than I was expecting and Samson needed feed. But (laughs) it was fine and it was good and I'm so glad that that happened. And it really helped me to start thinking about God's people and the people that Jesus puts before us every single day that we might miss. Okay, so moving on to how. How can we let our light shine? We know what the light is, because God tells us to love. That's the start. Love and be different. But how can we let our light shine? And I'm sure you've already turned to Matthew 25, verse 31 to 46. And it says, For I was hungry. And you gave me something to eat. I was thirsty. And you gave me something to drink. I was a stranger. And you invited me in. Naked. And you clothed me. I was sick. And you visited me. I was in prison. And you came to me. Then the righteous will answer him. Lord, when did we see you hungry and feed you or thirsty and give you something to drink? And when did we see you a stranger and invite you in or naked and clothe you? When did we see you sick or in prison and come to you? The king will answer them. Truly I say to you, to the extent that you did it to one of the brothers of mine, even the least of them, You did it to me. Interesting words, aren't they? And you know that that Bible verse is actually taken in the context of the final judgment. Although it's written in Matthew and not Revelation, they're actually discussing the final judgment and how God, at the end of the world, will judge the people on earth. That's scary. And if you want to read in your own time what comes after that, it actually talks about what will happen to the people that don't feed the hungry and don't reach out to people in need. And it's not an easy read. It's not, it's not nice. It's not a good read. But if you want to read that in your own time, and that is the final judgment. And when we're reaching out to people, it says there that we're doing it to Jesus. Okay, We we are reaching out to people in need, just like Jesus started off with that baton, because he started it. He showed us how to love people. He was there for people in need. And this week, um, Chris and myself and Anne and Neil and Mick, we started visiting people in the community, looking at the gardens, at the homes, and talking to them about how Their homes needed decorating and just chatting with them. And God led us to some amazing people. And if you're on the decorating teams or the gardening teams, I can tell you what you do for these people next week. You're changing a part of their lives. We had people in tears. We had Um, people that have said that they've seen the church and that people have um, already told them about the church. We had somebody that um, started talking about um, the mother and um, the mother leaving her and just really opening up to us. And we'd only been there five minutes in most of these homes. And it really dawned on me as I was in these homes that as a church, we've got such an amazing opportunity To take our light to these people. To show them that they don't have to be, they don't have to live in this darkness anymore. And just one interesting analogy. um, As we walked into the home of one person, it was really, really dark and there wasn't much light. And I just, I thought to myself, the decorating team could really lighten up this room. Just literally put light into this living room and take away those bad memories of things that have happened in the home. And um, that, that just relates back to what it says there in Matthew 25. Now, you might have heard the famous quote, preach the gospel everywhere, and if necessary, use words. And that's been preached in um, the wrong context sometimes. Some people say, oh, that preacher goes on too long. They don't need to be preaching. We need to be out there reaching the lost. And yeah, we do. But Jesus did bring a good message that needs preaching. But what I believe that quote is actually saying is that before we open our mouths, people around us will know that we're different and that we'll see the lie in us. So that when we open our mouths to preach, it will be coupled with what they have seen already in our lives. It's a challenge, isn't it, to think, be a light at work when we're so tired and sometimes things aren't going right. To be a light in the playgroups when we're taking our kids, when the children are playing up. And but God says, "Yeah, be that light. Preach the gospel everywhere, and if necessary, use words." Now, while I was in Africa with my sister a few years ago, some of you might have um, heard me talk about this. Um, I decided to try and feed the 5,000. Didn't quite work, though, unfortunately. Um, And I decided to try and take on the verse, literally, of feeding the 5,000. And maybe some of you might go on to do a miracle like that with God's help. I'm not saying it can't happen. But at that time, I think I'd missed the point. So I went over to Africa with my sister... Working um, in a very remote village, um, working in um, a school, and there was a lot of orphaned children, a lot of poverty, and a lot of children with nothing to eat. Every day, me and my sister would take a pack up in our rucksacks and eat the pack up, while the children were being fed um, shima, which is kind of a mixture of mashed potato and rice. And the ones that weren't wearing uniform were the ones that were orphaned and not yet sponsored. So they didn't get their meal and they would come and scavenge around the, the big pot of food and they were never allowed any food and it really saddened me and one day I, was, I had 10 children around me and I had my packet of crisps in my rucksack so guess what I did, got my packet of crisps out and I opened it up. And I thought to myself, it'd be amazing to bless these ten people. Sarah started giving the ten, giving the crisps out to ten. As that happened, children from everywhere—I didn't even know there was this many children in the village—started swarming me. I was on the floor; crisps were going everywhere. I tidy up afterwards. They were going, they were going on the sand. They were literally flying everywhere and these children were on the floor scratching around there was sand on the floor and they're putting sand in the mouths. nobody was getting any crisps Uh, so in the end I decided to line them all up and I'm giving them a bit of crispies and I'm thinking we've got to make this last these kids aren't getting fed in the end no one got fed because everyone had fists full of sand I walked away and I thought to myself that was a disaster I'm finished. I can't do this kind of work. That was the worst experience in my whole life. And as I walked away, I realized that, you know that saying, you can't change the whole world. We might not be able to change the whole world, but we can change someone's world. And if I'd have just taken that packet of crisps to one orphan that day, And given that one packet of crisps, that one orphan, that orphan would have been fed for the day on Pomb Bear Crisp. But instead, I tried to let hundreds of kids have a a bit of a crisp and all they got was, was a fist full of sand. And you know what? How can we do it? How can we shine our light? We can do it a bit at a time. We can start one at a time. That's how we can do it. Next week at the kids' event, when we're working with these children that come in, you might be overwhelmed with how many kids there are. There might be one lonely boy at the back that needs someone to say, Hi, are you all right? You're really good at colouring. At the over-60s event, there might be one person there who really wants to talk about the past and their memories. Or there might be one person there that really needs a friend. Let's start one at a time. All of us can do that, one at a time. Jesus actually believed in relationship, and he, d- he spent a lot of time putting into people. And that's why I believe that Jesus chose 12 disciples so that he could get around them, he could have relationship with them, he could build something great. He didn't have an army of hundreds and thousands like these kings did. Because those 12 people, he could get around one at a time, putting great words of encouragement and teaching into those disciples' lives. And we can do the same with our life one at a time. That's not as daunting, is it, as, you know, preaching to thousands, one at a time. That's how we can do it. Now... Why do we do it? Why do we do it? And when we think about why, we're looking at the verse James 2. And in James 2 verse 14, it says, What does it profit if someone says he has faith but does not have works? Can faith save him? If a brother or sister is naked and destitute of daily food, and one of you says to them, Depart in peace, be warmed and filled, but you do not give them the things which are needed for the body, what does it profit? Faith by itself. If it does not have works, is dead. Quite powerful words, aren't they? Faith by itself, if it does not have works, is dead. Now, I've heard that preached out of context as well. In the, oh, these prayer meetings, ooh, you know, there are too many prayer meetings over at that church. They're not out in the community, they're not feeding the hungry. But I believe this message is saying, put them together. Marry them together. Let's start praying to God. Let's start praying and dedicating our prayer life to God. But marry it with sharing the light, sharing the good news, sharing good works in our community and wherever we go. These need marrying together. Faith without works, yes, it does say it's dead. And I believe that each of us have got something that we can give, something that we can work at, something that we can give. That person at the big idea, that person that we meet every single day, you've all got something. You all matter to God. You were handpicked like the Avengers. You are in God's army and just before I finish I want to just put on um, a short video clip just something to think about.